Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Katie Dolson. I'm Nikki Urban, and our guest today is Crystal Adams. You can see her on season two of Laugh After Dark on Amazon Prime, and she recently won Best of Fest at the Big Pine Comedy Festival. Crystal, hi! Hi! Hello! Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, you are a comedian. I am. How long have you been doing comedy? Um, so, I've been doing stand-up for five years. I, yeah, a little over five years now. Ooh, five years. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll start with some soft of softball questions. Yeah. A few easy ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, I am originally from a town called Rialto. It is right next to San Bernardino. Oh, okay. So, you're a Southern California. I'm, yeah, I'm a Southern California native. Which, you know, is great. I really appreciate the weather. I mean, truly, like, (laughs) I am not a Southern Californian who's like, I can't wait to get out. I'm like, this, I get why people want to come. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Is your family all still here? Yeah, so my mom and dad, they both live here. My mom just moved to Long Beach. I'm really happy for her. Oh, cool. Yeah, Long yeah. Beach is awesome. Fun place. I really love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so what was, your, what was it like growing up in Rialto? Uh, I think what consumed me was probably a lot of Disney movies and TV. Like, I watched a ton of sitcoms, a ton of... I did watch, like, Mad TV and SNL and... I've heard this a lot recently, which has been really comforting because I was never like the class clown. And I think there's a lot of assumptions about comedians who are that. And like, that's the type that ends up doing stand up. But that was never me. But what I did start to notice, um, and I've heard different like people share similar stories was what I would do is I would watch TV and then I would come to school the next day. And I would recreate whatever was the most, the funniest moment that I saw. And I could get just as many laughs as the people on the screen could. So basically you were Carlos Mencia. Oh, yeah. So the thing, and you know what's, but the thing is interesting is that you hear people all the time say, I can't tell a joke, right? Yeah. So it actually is even though, I mean, I never pass it off as my own, right? Sure, right. yeah. S- which is different than what he does. But, uh, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I would say, oh, my God, such and such happened last night on, you know, I don't know, home improvement. And, like, this person said this and this person was like, da, da, da. And then people would be dying. And so it's only been way, way, way later in hindsight realizing that there actually, there is a skill. Yeah. To being able to recreate a moment and also like kind of, I guess, read your audience to tell like how how to tell how to build the story. Yeah, totally. Also, just to nail the timing, right? Yeah. Like, I think it would drive me crazy when I was younger and people would quote movies or TV shows and get it wrong. Because I was uh-huh. like, you missed everything that was funny yeah, yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, like, like, this word makes this whole thing yes, work. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> that pause, dude. You missed the yeah, pause, yes. man. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, like, I was unaware about my own fascination with comedy for a long time. Sure. Yeah. And I also think like there was nobody in my life that was like that saw it, right? So like even recently my friend asked my mom, she was like, was Crystal funny growing up? And she was like, 
know. <laughs> and I'm like, you just weren't quiet enough, long enough to, to hear it. You know? like, no, I, but I mean, I really think it's about like, I would make my, my, my group of girlfriends at school laugh. Like, that's who I cared. Like, I mean, I'm studying them. Right. In some ways, yeah. like I needed to learn like what this demographic is into and like get it and then like nail it. You know, like I was like, I don't know what shirt she's into, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you figure out for yourself, though, that it was you had funny ideas that were original and wanted to share those? Mm hmm. I think it didn't necessarily start with the ideas to be funny and more just like the desire to be funny. Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was like, I have all, I'm bursting with these characters and then this and that and the other. It was, it you put me in a situation and like, whether it's dramatic or there's some sort of acting, what way am I going to go? What path am I going to choose in, in this scene? You know, like I... What am I, what's my natural inclination? And so I think over time I started to notice my, my inclination is towards comedy. Like I, I think part of it is I, I subconsciously understood that the perception of me actually acts as a premise to have for, for a, a huge twist for a turn, which is what I'll comedies based off of you know breaking an expectation and so like I present as this really serious person and people can you know very much like write me off as that and then so I would love to like oh you you think I won't you think I won't fucking trip over this chair right now like because I I will do that I will do that you think I will (laughs) and I just I just love that I love knowing what they thought and then being able to like mess with that yeah that's awesome well you're really good at it (laughs) thank you Uh, now I first saw you and became aware of you when you were coming on and doing the nightcap with Stacey Roomaker that's a that's a comedy show that's out here. It's a political, like, topical-based monthly comedy show out here in Los Angeles that's now over at the Virgil. And you were doing – you and you still do, like, mm-hmm. a like a segment where you – what's the segment? You, you come called, on as – Can somebody please explain to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where it's basically you just sort of, like, venting about something yeah. in a funny way. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is it is was creating that sort of like creating a stand up set or were you just like this is something I really want to like fucking talk about right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the the desire to do that and the creation of that segment I think came out of like me trying to get used to the form the late night format, which I still, you know, I have trouble with because part of it is like there is this aspect of it that feels like oh, that seems really exciting and really cool. But if I am like alone without any outside stimulation, like, do I actually like it? You know, do I like that format? And because it's, it's doesn't come naturally to me. And not to say that it comes naturally to, you know, you can, you can learn it. But I think even just like the things that I think are funny, like what I think is comedically funny is not necessarily the late night format. So I was for a while trying to fit myself into that that style. 
And so what happened with that segment was I literally just came to one one meeting and I forget what the first segment I did that was like that. But I just was like, because I was feeling I was feeling insecure about that, you know, feeling insecure, like, I don't know if I fit in this format. I don't know if I fit in this writing group, like all of these things. And so one day I was just like feeling very loose and, you know, fancy free. And I went to the meeting and I was like, I'm just going to have fun in this meeting. Like, that's the best way for me to contribute is if I'm having fun, if I'm like just bouncing off of what people are saying. And so I came in with a few ideas and I wish I could remember what the first segment I did was, but it literally was just something I said to the group. I was like, I'm sorry, can somebody please explain why da 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 is like this? <laughs> yes. And then people died and they were like, why don't you do that? And I was like, huh, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like once you stop trying to force yourself to fit into a specific mold, like you just sort of figure out where you naturally fit in there. Yeah. I mean, well, and I'm really grateful to Stacy for like allowing that to be what I did, you know, because it, it could have gone the other way. It could have been just like a moment for the group and then we just moved on. You yeah. Know? yeah. It does feel that one in particular, like what was so memorable, I think, for people watching it is it feels a lot like watching Weekend Update and it's like a person, a cast member, like, you know, like Leslie Jones coming on, you know, and saying like, you know, just like giving it a what for. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you you weren't necessarily the class clown growing up. And five years ago, you decided you're going to start doing stand up. Mm-hmm. What was it that made that decision happen? Yeah. So, I mean, I think... I was in a period of my life where I was, and and that's kind of happening again for me. Like it's, I don't know if there's something with the number five, I don't know, but it just, but basically I had gotten to this place in my life where I became, and this is really important. Like, and I really recommend this to people is if you can get to a space where you are able to be wrong about who you thought you were, like that, that's really what shifted it for me because there's so many narratives that we've been building or that other people have given to us and we've like taken, you know, and one of those things is like, I could never do X, you know, and you can insert literally anything, right? And so I was in a place in my life where I was just questioning. I'm like, what if I'm wrong? What if, even though I like, I feel like I could never, what if that's actually what I'm, that exactly what I'm meant to do? Right. And so it was really, really painful um, because I am I'm I am very sensitive person and I'm also like perfectionist and, you know, just not used to being in an environment where you're failing publicly as as a as a means of learning something. And so that all of those things were uh, very antagonistic to either my what I felt like was my personality or how I'd been brought up so I did cry a lot because I felt extremely once I allowed myself to be open to it I did feel like there was this yes inside of me like I felt extremely compelled and drawn to stand up in spite of the fact that I felt like I was going to die 
every time I <laughs> went on stage. And so in in addition to that, so in The Alchemist, Paolo Coelho talks about personal legends. That's how he describes like different streams of destiny that interact with your life and then and then he says basically when you when you get near to a personal your personal legend the whole universe conspires to help you achieve it oh yeah and that's when i really love that book and i was reading that at the time and and so what i just started to notice was that i was not necessarily pursuing or looking for opportunities but they just would i could see them they were right there so like there was a free seminar like workshop for stand-up comedy, you know, oh. or like I would run into another community. I ended up taking that that seminar and or like finding out, oh, somebody knows so-and-so who's also been doing stand-up for a while. And like, yeah. And so it just kind of like one foot in front of the other, just taking taking the universe's bait, so to speak. And yeah, it just kind of went from there. Was that here in Los Angeles? It that was. That happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started here. Had you done any other kind of like stage performance? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. I've been on the stage since the age of two. Oh, okay. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so uh, for the first, I don't know, uh, ten years of my life, I was a dance. It was da- mostly dance, and I guess starting like in fourth grade, also some theater. I did a lot of theater, and then I did theater in middle school and high school, and not really so much in college. I did some more dance again. So, and I was doing some emceeing for one of the groups I was a part of. So being on the stage, that wasn't the part that was the issue for me. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm really grateful for that background, like yeah. having that. Yeah. It does make, I feel like it does make a difference. Uh, yeah. I had a similar thing where it was like doing a lot of theater and somehow being drawn to like doing a lot of comedy in theater mm-hmm. and then never thinking I could be a comedian. And then all of a sudden one day it was just like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. But I was so happy that I had had so much stage experience. Mm-hmm. Then it was just very natural to get up on stage and to do it and not mm-hmm. be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I really... was still terrified. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's, yeah. So ter- it's so yeah. vulnerable doing comedy. Like, yeah. More so than doing a play or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It's so vulnerable because it's you. It's yeah. your. And it feels like a very, like, if it, if it doesn't land, it's like a rejection of your thought. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Your oh, yeah. actual thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When did it click for you that you were like, not just that this was a thing that you're afraid of, but you're still doing it, but you were like, damn, I'm really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Or has it happened yet? Are you aware of how good you are? You know, right? You do like you know you're good, right? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I think so. You know, okay. Here, here's what I'll say about that. I I know I, I I've had several rounds of like wanting to not. What's the word? Unfortunately, I'm going to gender it, but I think it is a very female thing to want to play by the rules, right? Totally. So, yeah, and that. and also like paying your dues type of thing. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, one of the things that you hear a lot is like, oh, it takes ten years to make a comedian. You know, it takes ten, twenty years, and and other people will tell you like, no, like don't listen to that. You know, like, <laughs> but you know, I've and I've interviewed people who they've had this experience of like listening to that that earlier voice that voice that's like 10 to 20 years and just kind of like all right just take their taking their time yeah so I really felt the need to like prove myself you know like 
I want to do it the right way. And then I came to the conclusion that, oh, there is no right way. I just need to go for it in whatever way that means for me. And so this is a roundabout way, but I am getting to answering your question. <laughs> but what, so what I started to do was, because there was a period where I was like, you know, around people who was who were very ambitious and like I was very inspired by them, you know, and they're like hustling and networking and asking to be on a bunch of shows. And I was trying to do what they were doing and it was exhausting me. And I was like, I'm an introvert. It's really difficult for me to maintain the kind of energy to do that kind of networking that they're doing, as well as pushing through just the pain of the rejection of like sending out all these bookings and like not hearing anything back. So what I started to do for a year was like, okay, I'm just going to let this year be and I'm not going to push for a bunch of bookings. What I'm going to do is I'm going to see if there's any sort of spike in just the bookings that I get requests just on of their own accord. And that will be for at least for this year, the litmus test for me in terms of am I making progress? Mm. And so for me, that was really necessary. And the other thing that I did was because I knew I was like, I want to get the things that they're getting, like the, those people that are really good at networking and stuff. I want to get what they're getting, but I can't do what they're doing. So what's a way, what are the things that I can do that allow me to have the kind of currency that they're, they have right now and that they're using to get spots? So that's when I also decided to start an open mic. And I yeah. ran an open mic and I, I would run it well. I made sure that it was respectful of people's time and people really loved it. And that did what I wanted it to do in terms of like connecting me to people and making people aware of me and not just my comedy, but also feeling like, oh, she did a cool mic that I got time on and I was able to work out my stuff. So like they're more likely to recommend you for stuff in the future. And then, yeah, towards the end of that year, like the the bookings that I got, they did pick up. And I don't talk about this a lot, but I I've been on a, a bunch of shows this year and I think I maybe send out a well, I, I have not sent out hardly any booking requests so to me it's like it's just it's for I don't I don't share it because everybody's comparing themselves to each other totally yeah, but Absolutely. I do that for me so that I'm I'm encouraged and I'm like okay I'm I must be getting better like because the the requests keep coming so I'm yeah, I think it's important to celebrate your successes and to be at a point where, oh, you're not having to put yourself out there, but people are coming to you. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the ideal position to be in. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it, it feels like, so you've been doing this for five years and it feels like, oh, you're like, you're working at like a good pace where you're like, you're in a good spot. People are like coming to you. Has it felt like this whole time or does it feel sometimes you're like, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Mostly when I look at my bank account. Yeah. That's when, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the, and you know, and really that is a mentality thing. And I, I say that, I, I mean, I know it, it's funny and I know we all, you know, can relate, but it is a really serious thing to address your mind when it comes to not marrying this path with money. And also, and at the same time, walking this tightrope of also being strategic about money. Yeah. So you have to kind of do both. You have to not get discouraged by how many uh, shows you did that didn't make money, while at the same time, making a plan to be strategic about the next month and how many places that you reach out to or that, that are you're taking that are, are or are not paying. 
it is very tricky. So I, yeah, usually when I'm having a meltdown, it's usually not about a bad set. It's more about like, you know, like just financially, am I going, especially living in LA, right? Like once you get past a certain level of, of fame, then you, and pe- you have people working for you, right? You can see the like results money-wise increase, you know, but I don't have that. And so it really, LA is this kind of town where it's like, oh, you, you had a good set and they paid you this much over there. Like, sorry, we weren't there for that. Like, and we didn't see those emails. So like, that means nothing to us. And, you know, you're, you start from scratch over here. There's no carryover. Like, and we accept this as normal and I am playing that game, but there are other places, for example, Canada, that <laughs> where it is that you move up the same way you would move up in any other career. Like you got five minutes. Okay. We're going to have you do five minutes for a while. Okay. You got 10 minutes now. We're going to have you do 10. There is a progression that makes sense and that doesn't feel like schizophrenic. But LA is very schizophrenic. So, have you done stand up in Canada? I haven't, but I have a few friends that did. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, and so, okay. and just over the course of time of talking to different uh, comedians that are from there, yeah, that's been their experience. It's, Whoa, like, it's very so disoriented like here. Mobility there, like Absolutely. a very clear now, ladder. There's, of there's also a plateau, there. which is why they come back down here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah, there is mobility. Oh, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> notice people who are from Canada who like did really well in Canada and then they come here they sort of have this look of bewilderment all the time like how am I just here now how am I like scraping by Uh I just read an article from Chris uh, uh, with Christella Uh Alonzo and she talks about like the same thing of like where she was like touring all around and for like opening for Carlos Mencia and then she moved here and it was like who were you like mm-hmm. she's back at like open mics yeah I mean Deb so Deborah Di Giovanni yeah the same thing yeah. and she actually I think they took it off but she, I remember discovering her on Netflix oh she yeah. had a she had a special that was on Netflix and I remember I was like oh she's here now and I'm like oh she's being treated like what and like and I think she wrote jokes about it too. You know, like so I would see her do live sets and I'm and I'm like, "Yeah, bitch, like yeah, I agree. What happened? Like why are they doing this to you? Like, dude, like I mean, she's I think she's doing a lot better now." Yeah. And she's doing a lot more touring, which is which is great. But she is so so funny. And yeah, I think she got to a point in Canada and I think probably experienced that same type of plateau, even with a Netflix special and then moved out here and was like, had to figure it out. That is wild. Isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. that is wild. It is. Do you have any regrets Um, in your career yet? Let's see. Oh, yeah. Well. Or in life. Yeah, it's both, actually. It's an ex who is a comedian, although. Ditto. Uh, <laughs> but now I have, like, five minutes of material about how he owes me $4,000. Oh, my God. And it feels so good to do on stage. Um, Has he seen you do it? No, but I know a lot of his friends have. Good. And so that feels really good. Um, and I did, so in, in the joke, I talk about how I... <laughs> I didn't really do this, but it, I, I, it's a joke. I create, I talk about how I 
created an Instagram account to troll him. And the Instagram account is called Things I Could Do With The Money You Owe Me. And I just tag him in photos. And and the best thing in the world was like, I did that in uh, Atlanta. And then after my set, uh, one of the wait staff came up to me. She's like, I just created my own account and I'm tagging my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend in all these photos. (laughs) Working that influence right there. Changing lives. Yeah, really. really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's my biggest regret because I did. I mean, they, I regret to me is a tricky thing only because do I like if I had the information I have now, I wouldn't have done what I did. But do I regret being the kind of person that would do that what I did? No. Right. Because at the end of the day, I like the fact that I am a person who somebody's struggling and wants to help them out, you know, giving and thinking that they know the full story, you know, like, yeah. yeah. But now that I know the complete story, you know, like, obviously, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it if I had known those things. But if those things were true, what I thought was the case, then yeah, I like that person, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very, like, zen. That's very cool, right? <laughs> like, I wouldn't change the person that I am. I would just, you know, like, I wish I had known more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a very, I do, I get myself into trouble because I'm, like, a really nice person, but I also feel the same way. Like, yeah. I wouldn't change it. I like that I'm, like, nice Absolutely. and, like, believe the best in people, mm-hmm. even if it bites me in the ass sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I just, like, I usually just hope for the, for I guess people like us, that we meet people that deserve us. And I feel like I have that now. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm an asshole. So. <laughs> Just kidding. Not true. Just kidding. So what's what's the evolution of Crystal Adams? The evolution. Yeah, what's next? What do you feel like, ooh, this is what, I, this is what I'm hoping for. This is what mm-hmm. I'm working towards. Yeah. So... Well, so yeah, so I did say that I'm in that space again that I was when I first started stand up where I'm like questioning who I thought I was. Because one thing that I used to always say was like, oh, you know, I just want to do stand up. I, you know, I'm, I'm a stand up. Like, that's what I want to be able to do. Like, and because people would always ask me about writing. Now, the way I'm a dummy is people would always ask me about writing. Now, I thought that that was just a normal thing that people asked stand ups about. And then one day it, it occurred to me that people are asking me that because of how I do stand up. What do you mean? That, that there's something about how I do stand up that people assume that I'm also trying to be a writer. Ah. Yes. Well, if you do stand up, you are a writer. N- well, yeah, but you you can see some people stand up that they're not interested in that. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. You sure. know, like they're just interested in making the crowd laugh. They're just here. To like, you know, they're the joker, right? Right. They just they just want to get a rise out of the audience. Yeah. But then there are some people that, and I've started, and I can see it too. It's like, oh, I bet that person writes on a show. Or I bet that person is working. Not that I'm not taken out. Like, I'm like, they're super funny. Like, I mean, I look at somebody like, like, for example, Joel Kim Booster. I'm like, how do you come to stage with so many jokes? Because full will be writing, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, writing. Anyway, so I, I started to notice that, that when I became open again, I was like, maybe I'm wrong about who I think I am. You know, like, yeah. I thought, oh, I'm not. Because the other thing is, I'm highly motivated by uh, reaction, right? So, yeah. like, 
I it's hard for me to like just sit up in my room and write. I've gotten better about disciplining myself to do it, but one thing I would do is I would show up to an open mic earlier and then to get myself to write. That would be how I would motivate myself to write. So I was like, well, I'm not motivated to just sit up in a room and just write all day. Like that's not my personality. But now that I'm open, I'm like, and it's the same thing is happening. Like the whole, you know, universe conspiring or like somebody's like, oh, I'm putting together a special. Do you want to, can you come to like the rehearsal of my, my special and give me some punch-ups on stuff, you know? Or like, here's a writing packet. I, I, I didn't know that you were even think, but like just a random writing packet. People were like, hey, I thought of you for this, you know, and I'll refer you, you know. I'm like, oh, okay. So now I'm on this new path of like doing stand-up, but also trying to turn myself into a writer, which I mean, in some ways, I guess I already am. But like what I mean by turning myself into a writer is at adding the at the aspect of the discipline. Of yeah, writing. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, it's like the universe has told you what you need to do and you're just like following it. You're like, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm doing it. It's yeah. cool that you're to be so flexible, too, because like you were saying before, I think we do get in our heads about like who we are and what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, it's it's hard to allow yourself to be pulled in any direction because I'm sure it's a little scary, too. Yeah. Well, and that was one thing that I was so great about taking um, stand-up classes when I first started. I mean, it's definitely not something that I can fully rely on. It's like I had to go to open mics, but it was really about understanding that there are aspects of this that can be taught. It won't just be me like flailing about. And so the same thing that I, I started to notice is true of like writing. So I did take a uh, pilot writing class. And so it just made the process so much more digestible knowing like, oh, I have the tools now. Like, I just thought people were just up in their room, just like, just like typing it out. They've got all these ideas. And I'm like, I I guess I, now I, now I understand that now that I have structure, I feel there's a way to facilitate creativity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to start your podcast, Too Sensitive for Comedy? Okay. So, I mean, my favorite thing to do is one of my favorite things to do is to talk with other comedians about just like what's going on in comedy that we're not talking about, or at least that's not being talked about very publicly. Yeah. So like money stuff and Mm. like booking stuff, festivals, like applying and not getting in and like what is going on. And, and so I wanted to start a podcast to demystify the current scene of comedy. So I really love the podcast, Jackie and Lori, right? I love that, that podcast. And I consider it like part of my comedy training. I listen to it religiously and like just for any nugget of like how they're navigating the business. But it's also really clear to me that they are not necessarily in the same business that I'm at, right? Because they've reached a certain level, right? They're passed at clubs, you know? They can approach bookers and say, pay me for a weekend. And I really thought it was important to talk about and to understand for myself, like what is, what's happening at my level or just like just above my level or even just below my level, wherever that is, because comedy is unregulated. There's no HR. Yeah. Um, and so I think the best defense is like knowledge and unification. And I just felt like the best way to do that was a podcast. And the reason I called it Too Sensitive for Comedy is because 
when I first started, that is the reason why I thought I would quit. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, because I just, I cried a lot and I was just like, I think I'm too, I'm, I don't have that thick skin that other people seem to have. Like, I'm really terrified. I like have onstage blackouts where I was just like, I didn't know what happened until I got <laughs> off stage, you know, and then eventually those ch- things changed and I'm grateful for it. But comedy is this thing where like, because it's so insane, just how you have to go about it. It could be a big thing, but it calls to be a very small thing that tips you over the edge and makes you want to quit. And so all of those things, I think, are the things that we're talking about, you know, that I want to talk about in my podcast. So and my hope is and I've heard that it is to a degree doing this, but my hope is that people will feel less alone and that people will stay in it longer. Like you have a lot of people complaining about how many comics we have right and how many people are trying comedy and like it's you know it's so crowded but the truth is in my opinion is like right now the and for a long time like the comedy the way it exists the environments that exist to practice it it really caters to psychopaths (laughs) that was not where i was expecting that to go (laughs) and i'm not saying that everybody that does comedy is a psychopath but i'm just saying it is understandable to me the high count of psychopaths that we have in comedy because it rewards them right it rewards somebody who is able to detach themselves from other people's emotions you know and not care about how other people are feeling like it rewards you know, those kinds of people. And um, so I want, I would like it to be more balanced. I would like to have just as many tough as nails people as there are people who are, I don't know, more timid or more sensitive. Because the talent, like talent is not determined by, you know, being sensitive or not. The talent, I mean, and also we're, we're not any better as artists when, when people quit. We're better as artists when, the best of the best is around. And a lot of times the best is quitting because they can't take how toxic the communities are or how toxic the open mics are. Do you feel like that's like mostly just in like the stand-up world or do you, have you seen that? Have you like dabbled elsewhere into like sketch comedy or like improv storytelling? Well, I think the issues with improv are, um, there could be some gender issues. I'm sure that there that exists. And my friend has been going some, through something similar. My experience with the improv and sketch world mainly has to do with race. Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, those types of dynamics. Yeah. I mean, gender is mixed up in that as well. But yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. No, there's a, there's a pretty big disparity right now. Yeah. yeah and the sure. thing is, is like, yes what's happening is we have we have these spaces and people the people that created them and the way that they're created they cater to the culture of the people that created them yes Mm -hmm. and so but the problem is is that people that created those spaces don't believe that they have culture or they don't believe that they've infused culture into what they've created so they're unwilling to see ways that they can uh, address how people from other cultures or backgrounds might feel a way about being in them. 
Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good way of putting that. It was very um uh, diplomatic. <laughs> You're like, these white dudes <laughs> are the space for white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is an element to like for them it's like they have to accept sometimes like, oh, for the sake of of creating a better world for everybody and for comedy and everybody and everything. It's like, sometimes you're just going to have to like give opportunities for things that maybe you don't fully understand because it's not your world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think people are unwilling to take that risk of, of putting, giving an opportunity to something they don't understand. Yeah. Well, and I think they've thought that they've been open arms, but they don't realize that just, just because you don't tell anybody that, they can't come doesn't mean you're not doing things that make them feel like they can't come. Yeah. What I love, I just recently watched the movie Late Night, the Mindy Kaling movie. It's so good. It was also triggering, but with good reason. But a lot of times you hear women talking about what we're talking about is this feeling of like, oh, we feel left out or we feel like we're working really hard to fit into this culture. In in comedy you hear them talking about it but it's rare that you watch something that actually gives you the emotional experience of that and i'm like i really would love people to watch that movie because especially like i would say the first 20 minutes of it it communicates well the emotional experience of what it's like to be left out Mm. i'm gonna change track just uh, real quick what are you most proud of? Well, recently I'm most proud of a music video that I did. Yeah. 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 No rugs. Yeah, uh-huh. no rugs. Yeah. So it just, it got in accepted into the uh, Austin and Portland uh, short comedy film festival. <laughs> Very cool. And so, yeah, so I'm really proud of that. And I really want to do another one of those next year. Totally forgot to mention what we're talking about. Yeah. It's a music video that's a parody of No Scrubs, but it's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. It's jazz. You're Jasmine, yeah. and you're saying, I don't want no rugs. Yeah. Rugs equals scrubs. Yes. It's great. It's. <laughs> It's so simple uh, yeah, and like yeah. goofy, but yeah, I yeah, and you're you're all three. I'm all three. Yeah, yeah. you're all three, right? Yeah, you're yeah. great. Yeah, to you, like uh, yeah, Jasmine doubles as Chili, so <laughs> and then I play the other two just regular. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll probably wrap this up. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Do you have anything coming up you want to plug? Anything? Any shows? Any? Just my Twitter account, I guess. I'm trying to be more active there and been proud of some things of recent. So uh, I am at the Dark Crystal. It's yeah. Crystal with a K and an I. Mm-hmm. Highly yeah. recommend. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks yeah. so much. Thank you. Okay. I think that's-